situation in Egypt when uh, when the the bondage began and the the king the king the the king Pharaoh. Some opinions say it was a new king. Some opinions say it was the same king. But once Joseph had passed away, once Joseph had passed uh, and Jacob had passed, so this king became as if he was a new king, as if, you know, he forgot the, 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 he forgot all that had happened with Joseph. Anyhow, and he's trying to put an end, he's trying to deal with the Jewish people, he's making it very hard for them. And then he's told through his stargazers that there's going to be a child born, and one of these children is going to be the savior of the Jewish people. And he says, I have to I have to find a way to address this. And he calls in, the king calls in the midwives. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit about these midwives and try to understand what was behind these midwives. What's the deal with these midwives? What was he really trying to achieve with these midwives anyway? So let's take a look at the text. Uh, here we are. We're just going to keep to the English. Um, sorry, just for a second. Well, there you go. All right. The king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Pua. He said, when you are delivering the Hebrew woman on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. And once again, the reason why he said this was because um, the, the stargazers had told him that if he's going to have a boy, the, that the savior of the Jewish people is going to be a boy. So therefore, he said, all the, the baby boys, kill them. The girls, let them live. There's a lot of deeper explanations to what this means when he says, let them live. He didn't quite mean let them live the way Jews live. He meant an Egyptian lifestyle, an Egyptian culture. Okay, Rashi. Rashi says, who are these two women named Shifra and Pua? Who are these two women named Shifra and Pua? It's a mystery. And so Rashi says that this is Shifra. This is Yocheved. She is called Shifra because she improved the newborn infant by stretching out its limbs. And Pua, this is Miriam. She is called Pua because she could Pua, meaning she would do like what I'm doing right now. She would like try to calm down the babies and talk to the newborn infant in the manner of a woman who soothed the crying infant. Okay, let's continue. This is back to the text. The midwives, however, feared God, and they did not do what the king of Egypt had told them, and they kept the boys alive. The king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing, allowing the boys to live? The midwife said to Pharaoh, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They have the skills, the skills of a midwife. And before the midwife has even arrived, they have already given birth. God was good to the midwives and the people multiplied and became very strong. It was because the midwives feared God that he made houses for them. Okay, let's look at Rashi again. They have the skills of a midwife. This means that they are as skillful as midwives. Our rabbis, however, 
repeated it to mean that they are compared to beasts of the field, which do not require midwives. Where are they compared to beasts? A lion cub, a wolf who devours the first part. Just one second, got it? Okay, sorry about that. Uh, I interpreted mean to compare to beasts of the field, which do not require midwives. Where are they compared to beasts? A lion cub, a wolf, who devours the firstborn of ox. It's the way of uh, we find in, in 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 the Torah that God sometimes makes comparisons between um, between like be, uh, uh, between people and animals and different like. You know they're swift like a lion, or you know, and and we find also we just had last week where Jacob uh, identifies like compares his children to different animals and their virtues. With gazelle and whoever was not compared to a beast as above was included by scriptures and the expression and he blessed them. Scripture states, okay. The next, excuse me, the next Rashi reads, he made houses for them, the houses of the priesthood, the Levite family, the royal family. These are called houses, as in the verse, and he built the house of the Lord and the house of the king, the priest, and the Levite family came from Yochebet, and the royal family came from Miriam, as it is stated in Tracted Sota. So, let's talk about this for a second. I know I went through the verses. Basically, to sum it up, the Torah says that there were these midwives, and Paro calls these midwives in. And he tells these midwives, and with their names, the way the Torah refers to them as Shifra and Pua, and he tells these midwives, I need you from now on, take the Jewish boys and kill them, and the Jewish girls, I want you to uh, allow them to live. And Rashi, and then it says, we read, right, that the midwives did not listen to that, and they allowed listen to Pharaoh, and they, 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 they allowed the children to live, and God rewarded them. And Rashi, and that's what we want to talk about tonight, Rashi is a simple explanation. Rashi is not looking to complicate things. Rashi is known, he himself, he's self-stated on himself, he self-identified himself as a simple commentator that is coming to give us this simple, what's called to in Hebrew, pshat. And the question is, why do we need to say that Shifra and Pua are not the simple names, Shifra and Pua, right? If your name is David, my name is Lady, why should I assume that that's a code name and that that's not the actual name? So why does Rashi feel compelled to say, no, Shifra was Yochebed and Pua was Miriam? Another question we have is, when it says that God made them, God made them houses, Rashi says, no, that's not talking about literal houses. It's not even talking about like families. Like, you know, you say uh, when someone gets engaged, you're, they, they built, we say you should build a bayit ne'aman in Hebrew. You should build a everlasting home, right? Typically, that doesn't mean the physical structure. It means the family. You should build a beautiful family. So here, Rashi says that this is referring to that he gave them, that, that, he, that, that Hashem rewarded these two midwives with royal family, that they had all sorts of, um, uh, uh, the Levite family came from them. Why, what compels Rashi to say that? And um, there's, there's other references in the Torah where we see that it says in the verse, Ishu Beito, a person and his house, 
and the household refers to their descendants. So the question is, what is compelling Rashi here to translate it different than the simple explanation? And let's take a look at the uh, at, at what the Rebbe um, shares over here. This is a this is um, taken from a um, a talk of the Rebbe. I'm just uh, looking up. This is from 1986. A talk of the Rebbe from 1986. Let's take a look. Here we are. Okay. The answer is as follows. When the five-year-old student reads the verse, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose name were Shepra and Pua, a simple question comes to his mind. In the previous verse, we read that the children of Israel were fruitful and swarmed and increased and became very, very strong. Rashi explains there that the woman would give birth to sex tuplets the six children at a time. If so, could there be only two Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Pua? Right? So, so the question here is, if Rashi says that his commentary is to address a five-year-old, the five-year-old is not stupid, the five-year-old sees that Rashi himself said that the Jewish people were giving birth to six children at a time. We know as people every once in a while gets into the news, people have four, four children, five children, six children, it was a miracle, but it's a miracle within the ways of nature because we we heard we hear in the news every once in a while it can happen, right? So, if if the five year old knows that 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 the children that the Israelis were that the Jewish people the Israelites were having six children at a time, how could two midwives suffice for the entire Jewish population? <laughs> How could only two minutes handle the enormous, uh, the enormous number of births of the Jewish people who were faith, who were fruitful and swarm? This is all the more difficult to comprehend, considering that they would give birth to sex tuplets. One midwife wouldn't be enough to handle such a birth, and at least two midwives would have been needed for each birth. When the beginner student continues to study the following verse, he has a question in the other direction. Pharaoh called for the Hebrew midwives and rebuked them for not implementing his decree. Why have you done this? Why have you allowed the boys to live? The midwives answered him, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian woman. They have the skills of a midwife. Alternatively, they're like animals that don't need a midwife. And before the midwife has even arrived, they have already given birth. This raises a different question. Since the Hebrew women have the skills of a midwife, or alternatively, they don't need a midwife at all, and they give birth before the midwife even arrives, why then was there a need for any Hebrew midwives at all? The midwife's response must certainly have been factually accurate because Pharaoh could have investigated the matter. We see the Egyptians investigate abilities later regarding Yosef's own pregnancy that the Egyptian counted nine months and came to check if she had given birth. As a rule, people don't lie about a man that can be checked. Right? So what the Rebbe is saying over here is, that they, if they said, if the midwives said that the Israelis, the Jews, they weren't Israelis, Israelites, the Jewish people in Egypt were having six children at a time and they were giving birth before the midwives got there, they obviously weren't lying because um, it, it, Pharaoh can just go and check up if what they're saying is true. So that was legit what they were saying. So if that's legit, what's the whole, what was the whole function of these midwives altogether? What were they really doing in Israel? 
in, in Egypt, I'm sorry, what was their point? So basically, what we need to understand is that these midwives were not midwives like people hire to have a midwife or a doula, you know, to help support when you give birth. These midwives were a different type of midwives and they had a very different function. Let's take a look. The midwives, um, okay. A simple answer can be given. There was no practical need for Hebrew midwives, as the Jewish woman would give birth without them. Nevertheless, they served the role of calming and reassuring the Jewish woman with the knowledge that if the need arises for a midwife, there are Hebrew midwives available. You know, um, uh, uh, a colleague of mine that runs a Chabad house in um, in in uh, somewhere in California once shared a bunch of years ago that there was uh, an alumnus of his campus who um, he was doing a big building campaign for his building, this uh, Chabad rabbi, and this alumnus gave a very, very large donation, a few hundred thousand dollars donation. He was very well off. He had the capacity. The interesting thing was he never came to Chabad. He never stepped foot in the Chabad house in the four years that he was on that campus. And the rabbi asked him, he said, what compelled you to give to part with so much money towards this Chabad house, which you weren't even involved when you were there? And the rabbi did have a relationship with him while he was on campus. They knew each other. The rabbi would reach out to him every once in a while, check up, check up on him. He said, this is what he told the rabbi. He said, knowing, knowing that you were here, knowing that there was this Chabad house here, was a tremendous, tremendous support for me. Just having that knowledge and having that, knowing that going through college, that itself was extremely valuable for me. And that itself did it had a tremendous impact on me. And for that alone, he, he gave him that gift. And, and this colleague shared this with me that to just, you know, uh, remind us of the imp of the importance of doing what we're doing, even if people are not coming, they're not engaged, just the reassurance. So similarly speaking, these midwives, the reassurance of knowing that they were there, it was more of a mental, if you will, reassurance, uh, emotional reassurance, spiritual reassurance. Okay, let's continue. So that's the simple answer. That just knowing that they were there was already a support for the Jewish people in Egypt. However, considering that there was an inordinate amount of births, an extraordinary birth of sex tuplets, two midwives shouldn't have sufficed to reassure the Jewish woman. It must be that the Hebrew midwives weren't just regular women, but extraordinarily righteous. Then, knowing that they had such exceptional midwives, a Jewish woman could be reassured. Thus, a straightforward reading of the verse bears out the Hebrew midwives, bears out that the Hebrew midwives were exceptionally righteous people, but we still don't know who they were. It can't be that the midwives were actually women named Shifra and Tua, because we don't know of any righteous women by those names. And had there been such figures that would have been so such powerful midwives that would have been able to have this reassuring, calming presence, like sort of like a Rebbe that exists, that people just, you know, feel they're feeling the blessing, then we would have read about them in Jewish history. But the only time we see their names is in reference to the story. Therefore, back to the text, therefore Rashi relies on the tradition transmitted in the Midrash that the midwives were Yochavan and Miriam, who were called Shifra and Puad as a description of their action. 
This was nicknames for them reflecting what they had accomplished. Rashi does this because it is untenable to explain that these were regular women named, named Shifra and Pua, as the midwives must have, been, must have been exceptionally righteous women. In conclusion, Rashi explains that the reward the Hebrew midwives received was house of the priesthood, Levites, and royalty. Rashi cannot explain that God made houses for them means simply that they established families. This wouldn't be an appropriate reward for the actions of the midwives for saving the male babies. Raising a family was a natural part of life for all the Jews, and at that time it was even natural to give birth to sex tuplets. It can't be suggested that raising a family was a special reward for the midwives because it was expected that Pharaoh would punish them and deny them this possibility. As explained, Pharaoh had accepted the explanation given by the midwives that the Hebrew women are unique and give birth without assistance, so there was no reason for him to punish them. Rashi is therefore compelled to explain that the reward of God-made houses for them refers in a deeper sense to houses of priesthood, Levites, and royalty. Rashi brings support for this interpretation from another verse in the Torah where a dynasty is referred to as a house. Solomon built the two houses, the temple of the Lord and the king's house. Rashi then specifies that the priestly and Levite families descended from Yochavid and the royal families descended from Miriam as explained in Tractate Sota. Um, okay. So now, to conclude, we're going to um, just, uh, and uh, we're running a little bit late today, so we will conclude with, uh, with sharing one last point here. Um, uh, we don't have time to go through it, but basically there's a few references, explanations of this idea that in Judaism, there's very much this concept of measure for measure. So there's, you know, there's idea in retribution. If you if you hurt someone, so you need to pay them back measure for measure. There's an idea that God, God acts with us oftentimes measure for measure. Sometimes it's in not the good sense. If we're not acting in the positive sense with someone, God will act back with us in not such a revealed positive way. And there's the idea in positivity that when we act, you act kind with someone, God will act kind with you. And there's, we don't have time, but there's many different references in the Torah where we see this act play out. And so uh, the last final point here is this idea that, um, that these midwives were, 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 uh, were, were, were granted back and they were rewarded back because of the, the this the tremendous the tremendous importance and significance into what they did and what they were able to accomplish by their the support that they provided to the Jewish people and the tremendous role that they played in the in the continuity of the Jewish people that they were rewarded back measure for measure that the great tribe of levites and from that Moshe and Aaron and the servant, the Kadim, that all service in the, in the temple came as a result of their work and, and as a measure for measure for what they accomplished. Now we'll, we'll conclude with that. The, this highlights the advantage of the interpretation that houses refers to the priestly, Levite, and royal dynasty. This interpretation doesn't only express the greatness of the reward, it also shows how the reward was measure for measure corresponding to the actions of the midwives in every detail. By allowing the male babies to live, the mid to live, the midwives didn't only help establish Jewish families; 
They helped build most, if not all, of the generation of the Exodus, the ancestors of the Jewish people of all subsequent generations. The midwives, therefore, received a reward that was precisely, precisely measure for measure. Not only did they personally raise families or bear children who were priests, Levites, and kings, they merited to, merited to establish houses of priesthood, Levites, and royalty. These special dynasties exist within the Jewish people for all time until this day. Until this day, they exist in, 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 in measure for measure of the kindness and the self-sacrifice and selflessness of these midwives. So to conclude, the point is that the midwives, most definitely Rashi needs to explain to us who they were because the more you think into it, the whole idea doesn't make sense. What was the point? What was the need for these midwives altogether? They obviously played a deeper role. They were special people, Yochavet and Miriam, these two giant figures. And uh, and and to, to think about and remember this idea of how Hashem um, responds measure for measure, and, and we feel and see the impact of that till today. Great to see everybody. Have a good rest of your week. And um, it's good to see some familiar faces. It's good to see some familiar faces that I don't get to see as often. So it's great to see the new faces that are familiar, but new to, to, to this platform and this, uh, this, this, this time. Uh, good to see everyone. Take care. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi. Take care. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi.